0: A couple of weeks ago, Clayton showed off his Letterman jacket on stage, and not to be outdone, I thought I probably should show mine off too. Now, the best thing about doing this is that Clayton's jacket is still too large for him, (laughs) meaning that he really hasn't increased muscle mass since his freshman year in high school. I, on the other hand, have bulked up beyond imaginable proportions so that mine is a little tight, especially in the waist, and I think that's why we couldn't convince Clayton to wear his on the weekend. He brought it out. Do you remember him just standing there holding it? (laughs) He didn't want us to see the obvious, and I get that. We don't want to embarrass the boy. But you know, Clayton and I actually shared a common dream in high school. We both dreamed of playing in the NBA, but talent-wise, we both came up short, and no pun is intended by that. So at the end of the day, even though we both had distinguished high school careers, our shared dream died at graduation, and reality set in. You know, when our dream dies, sometimes our reality becomes chaotic. This happens to us all the time. It's like all of a sudden we don't know who we are or what to do. Chaos sets in when we lose a marriage, when we lose our careers, when we lose a loved one to an unexpected death, when we lose a business that went under or we lose a friend over a disagreement or maybe this week your party lost an election or maybe yours won one or PTSD robs us of our identity. Sometimes the chaos isn't that bad and given a little bit of time, we grow out of it. That was certainly uh, the case with my NBA dream. It was more of a fantasy really than a realistic possibility. But the loss of some dreams creates long-term chaos that alters the rest of our lives. If the ensuing chaos is bad enough, it can make us bitter, ruin our relationships, make us cynical about life in general, and doubt that God either knows or cares about what is going on with us. Chaos is bad news. So how are we supposed to respond to it? How are we to move forward with our lives when we lose a dream? Well, you know, if we respond in a healthy way, God can create a beautiful future through the chaos and the reason I'm so certain about this is because it's what Jesus did for his first disciples. After following Jesus for three years, the disciples were met with the inescapable reality that the one they thought was the savior of the world who would set them free from the political and financial oppression of the Roman state had just been brutally crucified. End of story, end of hope, end of their dream. The days that followed were chaotic. These young men didn't know what to do or where to go. They were afraid and they had no idea what their next step was. And yet this small group of scared young men transitioned from chaos to lead the greatest movement in human history. They became the founding leaders of the church that has impacted Western civilization at its very core. So what calmed the chaos for them? Well, in the course of three days, four things happened that helped them create a new future through the chaos. And if you and I will do these same four things, I believe God will calm the chaos in our lives as well. And so we want to spend the rest of our time together looking at these four things. Number one, if you've lost a dream, admit it. You know, when our lives are chaotic, let's not deny it or get angry about it. Let's admit it. It's okay to be saddened by the fact that we have lost something that we valued. But great disappointment often comes with a sense of finality. We lose hope. We can't see how things could ever work out for the good. But the death of a dream isn't the end of your life. Because when one thing dies, A new thing comes to life. In fact, Jesus said this very thing regarding his own death. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Did you catch that? Jesus said that his death would pave the way to his glory. The death of one thing often brings something new. Perhaps you saw in the elections of this past week that Tammy Duckworth, a double amputee who lost both legs in the Iraq war when her helicopter won down, won a seat in the Senate from the state of Illinois. She embraced a new future. She refused to allow the loss of her legs to be the end of her life. And if you and I will look for it, the chaos in our lives can actually point us toward the new thing that God wants to do in us and with us. Well, what would prevent us from permitting a new future to take shape in our lives? Well, I want to suggest That it has a lot to do with how you and I handle the details surrounding the death of our dream. And so the second thing that we need to do if we want to calm the chaos is resist the temptation to fill in the gaps. Let me explain. Jesus had died and been buried on Friday afternoon. And the 11 disciples saw it with their own eyes. But then a series of events occurred that they didn't see. Reports began to filter back in on Sunday that Jesus was alive, but nothing had been confirmed. You know, when things get chaotic, there will be all kinds of unconfirmed explanations out there about what really happened. Everyone will have their own spin on the story. And this is natural and it's normal. Psychologists refer to this as the reconstructive process based on the schema in your brain. A schema is a picture in your head of how things should be. We all have them and they're work all the time, filling in the gaps in order to make sense of things that you don't understand in your experience. Let me give you an example. It's kind of a crazy one, but hopefully it'll make the point. If you walked into someone's house and they had a toilet in their living room, your schema would tell you, that that doesn't belong there. In the attempt to make sense of it, it would say that doesn't belong there because you have a picture in your head of what living rooms should and shouldn't have in them. Now, mind you, you don't know why they have it there. The homeowner may have a perfectly good reason for having a toilet in their living room, but to you, it's a gap in the story, and your schema desperately want to fill in the gap. We do this all the time with things that we don't know about, understand we don't have the full story. The problem with this is that to the degree that our schema aren't accurate, it makes it difficult to calm the chaos. Let me give you another example. If you've gone through a divorce, chances are that you and your ex probably have opposing narratives about what really happened because your schema filled in the gaps differently. But this in turn affects how you view each other, how you talk to the kids about each other. It affects your emotions and your attitudes toward one another. And it even affects practical things like how you spend the holidays. You and I can't move forward into a new future because we often can't get over the past. And so chaos continues. So how do we get beyond this chaotic state? Well, here's one way. Resist the tendency to let your schema fill in the gaps and instead fill the gaps with grace. Accept the fact that you don't always know what happened or why it happened. And when you don't know, be gracious. Y'all, that's what we believe around here at City Church. This church was founded on free grace that produces radical acceptance because that is what God has done for you and me in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, it was God's expression of grace to us. That's how God filled in the gaps in our relationship. He filled it with love and grace. And that's why you and I can experience forgiveness and have a relationship with God. So when things seem wrong to you and you don't know what really happened, fill in the gaps with grace. Because grace creates a beautiful future through the chaos. But there's a third thing that we need in order to experience calm in the chaos. And the third thing is to stay in community. Luke, the doctor and historian of the early church, reported the following about Jesus' disciples on the Sunday following his crucifixion. When reports were brought to them that Jesus was alive, Luke told us that those who delivered the news found the 11, his 11 disciples, and those with them assembled together. When Luke reported that the 11 disciples were assembled together, it's important for you and me to understand they still didn't have all the facts, but they did have each other when you're going through hard times, stay connected. You know, we all get it that there are times whenever we wanna be alone, and sometimes in our very worst moments, we just want some private, personal time. But when you're going through hard times, don't push your friends away. Because when we stay connected, it expands our perspective. You see, when we're alone, it's easy to spin the story. We need a clearer perspective. When we're alone, it's easy to get overwhelmed. We need an encouraging perspective. When we're alone, it's easy for our emotions to blow up out of control. We need a calming perspective. And when we stay in community, we get the benefit of each other's help. You know, being in community helped me this week. Uh, I was in a meeting, and um, this will surprise some of you, but I got very annoyed good, I'm glad you laughed, (laughs) over some information that I heard. And when I asked for more information to confirm what I was feeling, another very spiritual person in the room said, Witty, why do you want it? It'll only piss you off more. (laughs) In other words, this person was saying, Witty, you're right, but you're wrong. Calm down. And community helped me fill the gaps with grace. When your life is chaotic, be sure to stay connected. As a group of friends, take the high road, encourage each other, pray together in order to stay together, love one another. This is what community is supposed to do for us, and it will. But perhaps the most important thing to calm the chaos is number four, focus on Jesus. Now, I know, even as I wrote it, that just sounds so religious, doesn't it? Just focus on Jesus. But there's a reason I say it. Luke said that in the room where the disciples were hiding, suddenly Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. There had been unconfirmed rumors that Jesus was alive, but now Jesus stood in their midst in that locked back room where those young men were huddled up, and he proved to them that he really was alive, that he really had risen from the dead. It was good that they could admit admit the death of their dream. It was good that they didn't rush to spin a story. It was good that they were in community. But what ultimately brought calm in the chaos was a resurrected Jesus standing in their midst. Chaos is bad. But at the end of the day, none of it ultimately matters so long as Jesus is alive because the beginning of a beautiful future starts with a fact of history. From a historical perspective, there is incredible evidence for believing Jesus rose from the dead. And this has stunning implications when you and I are in chaos. Jesus' resurrection validates every other thing that he ever did or said. If Jesus rose from the dead, if he is alive, then you and I can believe that he is God. If he is alive, we can affirm that he is our savior, that because he died, we don't have to. If he is alive, we can trust that he brings beauty out of the chaos just as he did for so many different people in the New Testament. Let me just give you a few examples. He made the paralytic walk. He made a crazed demoniac sane. He brought Jairus' daughter back to life and he healed blind Bartimaeus. When our future is uncertain and we're not sure what to do next, hitch our wagon to His. That's what we should do because he knows the future. Because Jesus is alive, we can have confidence that he has established his church and that it will prevail. We can believe that he will come again to this earth just as he said. And because he's alive, we can look forward with anticipation to his eternal kingdom that will never end. Why? Is it because we are great? Is it because we are perfect? Is it because we are clever or rich or powerful? Because we never get it wrong? No. The disciples were so scared and disorganized after Jesus' death that they locked themselves in a room. That is, until Jesus came into their midst And they experienced him all over again. Jesus is the only one we worship. He's the one we look to for leadership. He's the one who changes lives. He changed your life. As long as Jesus is alive, he can create a beautiful future through the chaos. Y'all, it's a nothing for him. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you today to decide. Decide if you will trust your future into his hands. Despite the fact that maybe you've had a dream that died. Despite the fact that your story has gaps in it. Things you don't understand. Despite the fact that you may feel alone and uncertain. Will you trust your future? into his hands. And here's how I want you to answer that question. I want you to play a game with me that we used to play as kids. I want you to transport yourself back to first century Palestine. Pretend you are one of the 11 disciples in that locked room. And then Jesus What do you think you would have done? Whatever you think you would have done then, I want you to do that now. If you think you would have walked out, then walk out now, it's okay. I get why you would. If you think you would have asked him questions then ask him a question now if you think you would have followed him then follow him now if you think you would have believed in him then believe in him now we want to provide you a moment to do this today as our band plays if you want to come to the front of this stage just kneel and pray feel free to do so If you want to stand and worship Jesus together with the band, do so. If you want to just remain seated and contemplate your future, do that. And if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, ask him to save you. He'll come to you just as he came to those first disciples. And he'll make a beautiful future through your chaos. Lord, we all have dreams and we wish we lived in a world where our dreams always come true. And Lord, there's no greater hint that eternity awaits than the desire that we have to live in a perfect place free of chaos. And so, Lord, while we wait for eternity, we thank you that you come and you stand in our midst and you call us to trust you, to believe in you, to follow you, to let our lives make sense as they get intertwined with your own. And so, Lord, I pray for ourselves tonight I especially pray for those who have lost a dream. And Lord, I pray that today you would come and meet them. Lord, maybe for some who have never believed in you, but today somehow their heart seems strangely warmed and there's a desire for you. I pray that you would come to them right now and enter into relationship with them. Jesus, thank you. You're the one that we're looking to and we pray these things in your name and everyone said together, amen.